What's going on, everyone? This is Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map and beyond. Today, joined by special guest Chris Walsh of MB- MJ Biz. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. You got a fe- fellow media person on here. I'm not interviewing a grower or you know some someone like that today. Someone that kind of understands probably the intimacies of the of the ups and downs of of the media world, man. So excited to have this chat. Um, every, every episode I kick off with our guest origin story around the plant, whether that's professional, personal, whatever you choose to, to share. So I'm just curious, kind of when you and cannabis, the relationship between you two, uh, got started. Uh, I guess personal was really in college. Um, I didn't, I didn't get heavily into cannabis, but, uh, a lot of my friends did. So I would partake in the occasional, um, joint or or bong hit one one time it was a party we had was busted and the cops came and saw the bong and made my friend smash it on the steps and they all laughed while he did it uh that one sticks with me <laughs> but uh but really it was the the closer relationship is on the business side when we started mj biz and uh really just saw a need for a professional approach to this industry through news analysis uh, business insights uh, and networking. And that's really when my uh, appreciation for the plant and what it can do for people and how, how we could help the people behind the industry really came into fruition. And and what year did, did you guys get MJ Biz started? We started in the spring of 2011. Okay. And, and that's early for you know, cannabis media, right? Especially from mm-hmm. the business perspective, like in 2011 to, to, the stigma was, I mean, the stigma is still there today, but the stigma was extra, extra there back then. And so especially to take that stand of not only like for like putting yourself out there talking about cannabis, but also talking about it from a professional standpoint and propping this up, calling it an industry at a point when many would not consider it an industry. So I'm just kind of curious, like what was some of the, you know, maybe some of the backlash or some of the difficulties of propping this, this up as an industry during that time period? Well, I mean, I came from traditional media, so I was a business reporter at newspapers, Metro newspapers in Colorado Springs, and then in Denver for one of the large daily newspapers here. And then in South Korea, I was an editor. It was all on the business side. Uh, That was my background. had nothing to do with cannabis. And so when we started, there was no, there wasn't anyone taking it seriously on the media side. You know, you had the high times out there that was kind of consumer-y focused. Uh, You had some medical blogs and and uh, magazines out there um, but a lot of a lot of things were either consumery very patient focused advocacy and then an army of dudes blogging from their basement while they're getting high railing against the government and you know but but there wasn't anything that was really from from like a professional journalist and content producer standpoint that was serving the industry and the people that were opening dispensaries, that were opening grows, that were trying to win licenses, that were making infused products, that were coming up with technology and equipment companies serving the industry. No one was talking to them or for them. And that's really what we leaned into on the content side when we started. It was like, hey, let's be a trade publication for the industry. And that that could involve anything from news and how this development affects you as a business person, all the way to like, here's a report on uh regulations in the state like a checklist or uh here's how you can land financing as a cannabis company so it was this holistic approach to like how can we help the industry through through content 
I love that. And, and obviously at that point, you know, in 2011, I, I always say like the conversations continually got bigger as more states have come online. The industry has been taken more seriously. The, the, the polls are showing the favoritism or the, the lack of concern of cannabis prohibition at this day and age. But at that point, you know, the conversation was a lot smaller. So, you know, MJ Biz is clearly scaled, but I'll say the conversation and where that conversation can take place is, has clearly scaled, scaled alongside that. What was it? What has it been like, you know, for you guys to scale, not only having to have like reporters on the ground in more states, but there's just so many different nuance regulations and conversations going on. How have you guys, you know, maintained sanity and grown alongside this conversation getting much, much larger? I mean, it's hard. Like, you know, when we first started, it was me. It was me like out there as a reporter and an editor and a spe speaker. And like uh, that, that was it. Um, and, you know, you had 14 states that had legalized medical and that, you know, some industries were starting to emerge in. So um, it was it was a challenge from day one to figure out, like, how do we best serve the industry? You know, we don't have 50 people covering it and there's unique issues and local issues is what we tried to do from the beginning is focus on bigger picture things. Is it a big uh, bill? Is it a big uh, ch regulatory change? Is it a, a something that has a big impact, even if it's on a specific state? And then what can you draw from that that helps others? And and you, you have to make these decisions all the time when you're doing this. It's like, sure, there are things we could have covered that we didn't. And there were other things we covered that we probably didn't need to waste our time doing. But it was always about what is the bigger picture for the industry? So if you're writing about some big thing that happened in Colorado with regulations, you're educating people, hey, this might happen to you, or this is a this is a groundbreaking way of trying to handle this element of regulations, you know, and we'll see if it works or not, or this could have a big impact on businesses if it spreads. Um, that's how we've tried to view what we do. And as we've grown, you know, I, I grew the team for me. And then we had, uh, you know, at one point before COVID, I think we had, you know, 25, 30 editorial staffers, and that was designers and editors and reporters. We had, uh, you know, a guy who's still with us today in Canada. We had an uh, analyst in Germany. You know, we had a hemp reporter in Germany. Um, we had people all across the U.S. And, you know, reporters, editors, data analysts, uh, designers. And um, and so we just, that's the strategy we use to keep up uh, with. And we had to keep up with what the industry wanted, right? It changes all the time. So, you know, is it straight news they wanted? Is it news where you you have the analysis portion mainly? Yeah, everyone knows the news. This is what it means, or this is how you approach it. Is it case studies based on that? Like, hey, this just happened. Here's how one company handled a regulatory change and had to invest 200,000 in new equipment because you couldn't make this shape, the edible look like a gummy bear anymore. And it had to be a square, you know, like, so we, we just have to keep our finger on the pulse of the industry and uh, constantly kind of evolve with it. Absolutely. And, and, and on, on that topic of evolution, right? Like I was trying to be careful with my words because being a media person, like, you know, it's not like we, we choose to talk about things that get interest solely for the reason of getting interest, but it has to be taken into account, right? We mm -hmm. can't necessarily talk about things that nobody's searching or yeah, nobody, cares, nobody about. cares about. Other, otherwise it won't reach people right so it has this to be a big deal damn it you should like it you should read it you know <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> but work there's that balance of things that we passionately feel like this is a topic i really want people to care about or start thinking about you know even even to on the ground floor dispensaries right the, the age-old thing of like consumers care about the, the thc percentage the industry's like man we don't need to care about that but you have to cater to that people it's a little bit different but on the media side what are 
What is that like kind of approaching that balance of things that you feel like these are the conversations that you and your team truly believe are going to help progress the industry versus also kind of making sure you you meet, you know, whether it's business, you know, business executives or just readers kind of where they're at now to, you know, er, maybe earlier in that conversation than you'd like to be kind of what's the balance between curating those stories? You know, uh, it, it is a balance. That's the key. And it's changed over time. To your point, uh, you know, we do see ourselves as leaders in the industry. and We want to be positioned not to offer opinions and say, oh, this company sucks or these regulations are good. Like we're not here to make those calls, but we are definitely here to lead the industry in terms of um, analysis of, of all the effects something could have, uh, spotlighting people who do have the opinions, whether we agree with them or not. You know, we don't take we don't take sides. We don't think, you know the law should look like this or that that's for the industry to decide. And we're just a part of that. But I think to answer your question, our role is to help the industry. In some cases that's being a watchdog and saying, Hey, there's bad business practices out there that they need to be cleaned up because they're hurting everybody. Um, whether that is writing a tough story, because guess what? That company's prominent and they're going to be at MJ BizCon and they're going to send a bunch of people or they're an advertiser or they have a big booth. And this is going to look bad. Like we, this is our, our strategy, our philosophy on our role in the industry. And it can be hard, of course, but we don't waver in, oh, no, no, no. They're giving us a lot of money. That looks bad. Their founder did this. They, you know, like we have to be that watchdog role. And, and part of that is shedding light on things that aren't working and didn't go well. Um, so that's, that's a big part of what we do. And then, you know, when it comes to issues the industry should care about, uh, you know, we have to leverage our, our platform and that's MJ Biz Daily. It's my podcast, Seed to CEO. It's MJ BizCon. It's our events. There's different ways to get out of that. It might not be a story. It might be someone on stage. It might be a panel discussion. And to your point, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of uh, road signs of what's up ahead that, that, you know, we see that we've had others see that come through us that the industry should be paying attention to. And sometimes they don't give a crap, you know. Um, to your point, they're like, eh, we don't need to worry about that. Um, and, and that's fine. Um, it's our duty to not shirk away from that and say, you know what, because there's going to be HR issues in the uh, cannabis industry as it evolves that we're not used to now or unionizing or, or workplace, uh, ethics or whatever. Yeah, that sounds boring, but you know, we, we have to get at those types of things. And there will be people who take it seriously and it may not get the most clicks and it may be not the most attended session at MJ BizCon, but it's our responsibility to uh, to send up those flares or to help people get an idea of where things are going. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that insight. Um, you know, take taking it back to, to when you when you got when you started, obviously, like you said, you had a career in journalism before being in the cannabis, just cannabis journalism in general. What was it about cannabis initially that kind of fascinated you to to start that endeavor? And then what was the tipping point where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm all in. It's 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 cannabis now. You know, man, it was really uh, being in media since I graduated college. Uh, I came out in 2000 when the, the height of the tech boom. Uh, and I know that was before your time, uh, but uh, that was my first experience. And, and I, I ended up covering technology. And so what happened is I got into the journalism world and then quickly it started collapsing. It was exciting. But then, you know, you had these forces eating away at mainstream media and their business models weren't tenable and they didn't know what to do. And, you know, they lost classified advertising because of Craigslist and they didn't uh, know how to handle the Internet. And after years of that, 
where it became a constant cycle of layoffs, cutbacks, no investment, uh, bad decisions all across the board. You know, from my dreams of saying I'd made it if I got to the New York Times, quickly changed to I want to be happy and I want to be in an industry that appreciates you and isn't just abusing you because you get paid less and just are passionate about what you're doing. And that's how I felt journalism was. So I went to get my MBA. So I had other opportunities. And so I was looking for something different. And we hear that story in cannabis all the time, right? From everybody, you know, ah, I was doing this and I wanted to change or uh, I felt there were opportunities here that weren't there before. So that was kind of me, you know, it was like, I'm done with mainstream media. I don't know what I want to do. I had other offers to stay in it at newspapers and was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. And this was just exciting. It was, it was different. Uh, it wasn't the glamour that you that, that mm -hmm. a journalist attaches with working for a big newspaper or magazine or TV station. Um, but I didn't care about that. And, uh, and I thought, what the hell I'm, I'm getting an MBA. I want to try something different. Cannabis sounds fascinating. Like, are you kidding? There's now an industry around this. Like when I was in college, you know, people, you, you get busted. Right. Um, <laughs> and you were going to your, some dude's house and sitting on the couch and getting a bag and you had to sit there with him and smoke part of it. It's part of this ritual when you bought it, you know, like, and now it was like, there were businesses like what the hell just happened. So I just thought it was fascinating from a business reporter and business editor background. I saw it as a fascinating industry to cover and to write for and about. Uh I love that. I love that. And and obviously, you know, 2011, like we were saying early on in this, that was early in terms of the industry of cannabis, incredibly early, you know, recreational, recreation, can, recreational cannabis hadn't even hit a single state at that point. What was your kind of like initial in those early days leading up to, to Colorado tipping and then Washington shortly after? What was your thought on kind of the timeline of this? And has it maintained the pace that you thought the industry would start toppling? Or has it been a little bit slower of the maturation of it going recreation and then kind of that, the, just the, the maturation and the stigma breaking down? Has it been on par or slower than you initially anticipated? It's been way faster. Way faster. In 2011, I did not, I was worried when I was researching the industry when I started oh my God, my whole days on my browser are filled with marijuana searches. <laughs> and and paranoid or not, likely shouldn't have been paranoid. I went and I wasn't paranoid. It occurred to me like, this might not look good. If for some reason someone was tracking my my internet thing, like, uh, you know, like, is this guy a dealer? Am I going to get a knock at the door? You know, like, it sounds silly. And I don't, you know, I came from a mainstream journalism thing and I, you know, I, I didn't want to do anything that would get me, you know, in trouble and Googling marijuana a million times a day doesn't get you in trouble. But, you know, that's the environment. Well, it was still like, it was, it, you know, even in these states where it started, it wasn't even sure if that was going to exist anymore. And, uh, and a lot of the people doing it were kind of former drug dealers, you know, to use that term that were selling out of their basements. And so there was a huge stigma at that time. And uh, so I didn't know where it was going to go. I bought into the medical side very, very quickly as the more people I talked to had very personal stories, which we hear to this day about how cannabis helped them, helped a family member. And often it was a, 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 like an older generation person that someone knew in their family or friends that didn't have any business like changing their views on marijuana, except if it helped them, right? They were like anti-marijuana their whole lives and then they had these health conditions and nothing worked. And then some one of their kids said, try this thing. And it worked. I heard enough stories like that that I quickly bought into it. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I, so I didn't think, I'll tell you, I made a, a big blunder in judgment when Colorado and Washington legalized recreational, I said, there's no way there's going, the government, federal government's going to allow an industry like what we saw in medical. I thought it would pass, but then it would be like the early days of medical when states legalized and then it would just sit there mm -hmm. and nothing really happened. Um, and that's how medical happened, right? It wasn't until 2000, you know, eight, nine, when, when some people in California, even a little before that just said, we're going to start operating this like a business and open a dispensary in a out there in public facing grow. Um, so I, I didn't think that I thought there, the federal government would challenge it and make sure that the rec industry did not develop unless there was some other big change. And I was wrong. Uh, and I know others who felt the same way, um, but I was wrong. And so to me, this was massively surprising that a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, when we started, there were 13, 14 states with medical. Some of them didn't even have an industry yet. Um, and now we're at 39 states uh, plus DC and 19 adult use markets, in most cases thriving, mm -hmm. right? And, and then we have an election coming up with five more states looking to legalize recreational on the ballot, including red states. Uh, I think it's moved way faster than I ever would have dreamed. Now, the part that moved slower was federal. Hmm. The fact that nothing has happened and that we're all, a lot of people are so excited, which me included, that Biden makes this tiny move, which I think is significant, but that's where we're at. The federal government has done nothing. And so the change there is the complete opposite of what I said. I'm shocked at how fast everything moved with the industry and with state legalization. I am shocked at how nothing has moved federally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's moving slow and it's funny. I, I associate with you talking about 2011, searching cannabis online. At, at that point in my life, we, we had just started doing media in the music realm. I was very much involved with the commerce of cannabis, but for a multitude of reasons, I was not trying to talk about cannabis anywhere. Yeah. I was trying to have the word cannabis in my name not associated on any sort of paperwork or digital as much as possible in those mm -hmm. those days. But it's crazy how, you know, a, a half a decade later, it started to switch where I lived in Washington. And here we are 10 years later. And, you know, the the, the world of cannabis has changed completely. Um, and, and, and on that thought process of evolution, obviously starting out as, as a journalist, I know now you do the, the seed to SEO uh, or seed to CEO podcast. How has it been also evolving in, in just journalism going from a written format? I'm sure with MJ Biz, it's been much more digital. I, I, I'm assuming you probably have some print uh, experience previous to that, but kind of the evolution from print to digital to now this this podcast and these forms of media are evolving. Are you uh, are you resistant to that? Do you enjoy it? Or what's that process been of, of evolving as just the, the journalistic uh, media? Well, I think if you're resistant to it, you're going to fail. And, and the natural instinct of the type of newspaper-ish journalist that I am and some of the people we've hired is, I don't like change. You know, like that's that's the natural thing for a lot of people. And it took me a while to get there, but the world has changed. So I don't do the content creation myself that much, you know, now as CEO, I, you know, I have my podcast, but I'm not writing stories myself or anything. So I think um, there's two sides to this. One is for our content, you know, like we've got to be mobile friendly. We've got to have podcasts. We've got to uh, look at different ways to provide content. And it's not just a written word. Maybe it's, maybe it's a chart and the chart says it all and it's data. 
and you don't need to write this long analysis piece and have some big report. Like there's so many different ways that people consume information now. We have to be on top of that. And their attention spans have gone down, right? So you write a really long story and, you know, 90% of the people aren't getting past the top, even if it's really important. So, but we have to balance that with having in-depth um, coverage or content on certain issues that warrant it for the people that really want it. So it's a constant juggle and balance and we've tried different things. Um, I think me personally, from a journalism perspective, you know, having a, a podcast now after not doing our content for many years as I move more to the business side, it's a different format. Um, you know, it's different than anything I've done. You know, you have so for me, there was a, there's been a growth curve. You have a different approach. You know, you're recording it. It's a conversation. You, you know, it's not like you're interviewing someone and then you go back and like you can move pieces around and come up with a narrative and you know, or even radio, like I've been on tons of radio shows and it's just, it's different. Uh, mm -hmm. Podcasts are just different. So for me personally, I've just had to, you know, I, I tend to have a very kind of um, monotone voice and, and I'll sometimes hear myself and I'm like, man, that's boring. Um, so, you know, you got to have inflection and you got to kind of be engaging and you, you know, so for that, that's been, that's been interesting for me, but for MJ business, you know, in content, we have actually started using word content not journalism, because it is, you know, a piece of what we do, a strong piece is journalism. But honestly, serving the industry isn't just journalism. It could be that report on what Biden's things mean for the industry. It could be, it's all the educational stuff at MJ BizCon, right? Um, it's a podcast, you know, it might be a social post or, or whatever. So uh, it might be a buyer's guide where we're like helping people find lighting for their, you know, grows. Uh, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. Yeah, no, I, I like that, that commitment to the word content. And you even mentioned it earlier in there, you're like, it could be long form, could be short form, could be a graph, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think the the, the the media, right, not just journalism is like telling a story. And like you said, a, a, sometimes a simple image can tell, you know, the majority of what you need to know from a story. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's the consumption habits have evolved. And it's nice to see, you know, the form of content distribution evolve with that. And you know, obviously, uh, MJ BizCon has been, you know, one of the, you know, the biggest event, the biggest trade show in in, in cannabis. How, how does it gone from transitioning from having the, you know, the publication, the content distribution to having a physical event and then both of those things living in, in tandem? What, what's that process been like for you to kind of watch? You know, we made some some errors along the way in fully melding those two sides that you bring up. When we started the conferences, again, small team. I had built our content up and then we started conferences and I was still pretty much the only person. So I was doing all our conference content. I was moderating every session. I was looking at PowerPoints and, and <laughs> looking at them with like an editor's eye. So I was like, look, the audience is going to want to know this, 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 this is promotional. Get that out of here. This, we need something on your, on your finances here. Like we need numbers like, you know, and so I was like, and we still do that to this day, but I was viewing it like a, I was editing a story trying to figure out what the audience wanted. So I was heavily involved. So the two were linked closely. But as what happened as we grew is the journalism part and the content part uh, kind of became its own pillar. And the event was over here. And yes, there was communication. The journalists have always been involved in helping with the content being on stage. But um, but there were disconnects. And, and, and we weren't we were seeing it as event business, content and journalism business, media business. Well, but we weren't always linking it back to the grand vision is that those two sides are both accomplishing this, which is educating the industry, bringing them together in the right ways, you know, uh, and all of that. And so 
there was a wide period where those two sides of the business weren't syncing up like they should. Uh, one wasn't the extension of the other when they when we should have done that. So we had to kind of rethink how we were coordinating between the two, accomplishing the same things uh, for the, the business thing and not having them in silos. So that's that's just an example of, you know, you, you grow a business over years and and things can kind of go off and take a life of their own. And you've got to come up, stick your head up and be like, uh, maybe we need to rethink what, what's going on. And did you guys anticipate the conference to grow to the to the scale that it that it grew rather rather quickly, man? And especially these last five years, even with COVID, it seems like it's just I don't know. From an outside perspective, it seems like it's just almost like fucking doubled over the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, from a couple hundred people in 2012 to you know 30,000 plus, you know, this year uh, it has grown. You know, that's a reflection of the industry. I'm not saying we are geniuses. I think we we've done a lot of good things and we've done things the right way. But let's be honest, the industry has grown and we were in a position where because of how we built it, we were the dominant show and we were able to lean into that. Um, but it wouldn't have happened if the industry didn't grow so rapidly. Um, and uh, and so I think that, you know, it's been fun to watch. I don't think, you know, in more recent years when we understood where the industry was going and we saw the growth, we started having higher expectations for our growth of the event. Um, but that really wasn't until the last couple of years and then COVID kind of messed with that. Um, you know, every year was just a, it felt like every year was just a new Brent benchmark or milestone, you know, from the first one with a couple hundred people and 30 booths to, Hey, we doubled that and we had 50 booths and, and then, Hey, we moved to Vegas. Right. And we we're in the Rio, this kind of fairly, you know, dumpy hotel that was the only one that would take us. Well, I love the Rio. They were the only one that would take us there. People complained about it left and right, but it was like, wow, we're legit as an industry. We're at the Rio in Vegas. And then having Ben Cohen, the founder of uh, Ben and co-founder of Ben and Jerry's be our keynote that year. I will never forget that. It was the first time like we were able to bring in someone from outside the industry from a business perspective who would speak at a cannabis conference and took it that seriously. And Ben Cohen was up there. He got a standing ovation. I remember the moment. I remember the room. I remember the feeling and it was like a turning point, like, hey, this industry is becoming legit. Uh, so there was lots of moments along the way like that. And then, you know, moving into the convention center and taking up big halls and then getting it dubbed, you know, MJ BizCon week by this, by the, you know, city, um, you know, in Vegas. And then, you know, we're legit. We're taking over the city as an industry. Uh, so it's just been, it's been fun, really fun to see the growth. But with that, we've had to evolve, right? There's, there's, um, there are complaints that you know we're too big, that uh, it's hard to find your tribe now, uh, that the show floor is difficult to navigate. So we've tried to address all these and provide more value as we've grown. Well, those are those are not not the worst problems to have, you know. When, when growth is too much, you know. Yeah. Uh, but gro growing pains and growing pains. Um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation lately in the industry. You know, predominantly what I've been seeing is like the beverage sector. People are starting to make some some grandiose projections of, of growth there, whether it's, you know, delivery, further recreational legalization, the beverage sector. What what areas of this industry do you kind of anticipate seeing the most growth in the next, you know, two to five years? I mean, that's a good question. I think the ongoing march of, of edibles is or, or alternative uh, products beyond, you know, just the flower itself. I'm fascinated by how that's going to continue to progress. Um, 
you know, companies are getting innovative, whether it's the water soluble powders that you can put into any drinks or, you know, are we going to see a move towards savory edibles, not just the sweets and low dose, uh, you know, like can out of California where you're buying a beverage with only a couple milligrams in each. And then it's more of a social experience. You know, you can have that at a party and drink two or three of them. It's not just like popping something. OK, I'm done. Uh, now I'm high and I'm just standing around here in the corner. Um, so I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, beverages is fun to watch, I think, because there's lofty projections. You've had big alcohol companies get involved. I don't know where that's going to go, but I think for it to be successful, it has to be the model of low dose and that it's a social thing that you consume over time. You know, they have hundred milligram bottles where you're basically just taking a little shot, you know, or depending on your tolerance, you might drink the whole thing, but you know, um, you know, is that there will be a market for that? Is that going to be a huge growth market? I don't know. Um, so I like to watch that kind of stuff. And really, it's just for me, it's it's the new markets. I always get excited. You know, we've got Maryland and Missouri coming up, North Dakota, South Dakota. Like, I always like to see which states are next and and see that or that, that type of growth. Um, but really, I think it's federal. Um, to me, that's where my attention is. And after Biden's remarks um, with with uh, the banking, Safe Banking Act, you know, is that going to pass here in the next two months? Um, are we going to see significant federal change? And I don't know the answer to it, but the conversation has started to change. Uh, so, you know, when I look to the future, I'm looking at things like that. Are we finally going to break the federal dam? Where's the product innovation going to come from? How is the, and, and the other thing is, how is the industry going to change as it matures? And how are consumers going to change? You look at, you know, Colorado and Oregon and Washington, our first case studies really for uh, recreational that are going into a new phase of kind of saturation, maturation, uh, and what does that portend for the rest of the industry? What will this industry look like in 15 years? Where will that growth come from? Uh, it's not going to come from new markets coming online anymore. It's not going to come from the hope of, by federal reform. Hope, hopefully we'll already be there. So how does a grown up, all grown up uh, marijuana industry look like? I don't know, but it's fun to, fun to think about and look how it's evolving. Uh, I, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy to be a part of it and watch it. Um, you know, thank you very much for your time today, Chris. I, before I get, get you up out of here, is there anything else that you'd like to shed the light or, or, or the MJ biz has on the horizon here coming up for the, the rest of 2022 beyond the, the big uh, the big show here in a, a couple short weeks? I mean, we're really heads down and MJ BizCon. I mean, that's it. That's like our big focus um, and really trying to help this industry through what is kind of a difficult period of time. So and the election, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens coming up. We have all this election co coverage coming up. To help people make sense of what could happen that's not just about the state legalization measures right there's a lot of other implications so uh you know stay tuned for all the election coverage that's uh we're hitting that pretty hard coming up i love it man well thank you very much for joining us today for people out there looking for more information mjbizdaily.com really appreciate your time today chris uh and excited to, to get down to vegas and, and enjoy what you guys continue to produce man yeah can't wait to see you there in person and uh yeah Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Let's get it. Cannabis keeps growing. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We're looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map. We'll be back with another episode later today. I think we're three-peating like the Lakers here on this Friday, man. The, the early 2000 Lakers, not, not these Lakers of, of now. Uh, we'll see you guys later.